It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 5th of September. My favorite NBA story gets to be told with the Hall of Fame inductions. Speaking of Hall of Famers, what about some player comps? We'll do that for Donovan and Ricky Rubio. And why do we let bad shooters shoot close shots? We'll talk about that all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky little numbers. You can catch it. Every single day on, well, almost every day. We're warming up toward that. On Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or tell your smart speaker that it is time to play podcast Locked on Jazz. Hope you're great. Uh, wanted to welcome in some new members to the Locked on uh, Jazz Facebook group. Uh, Breck and Lauren Greenwald, uh, I guess they both are joining uh, they share a Facebook account. Never understood that. Uh, Seth Store, thank you very much from Shelley, Idaho, and Merrill Jenks uh, from Gilbert, Arizona. Glad, glad to get some of the uh, and some great conversation uh, going on there. Uh, so super appreciate everybody who's joined. Uh, Sean put up a really fun kind of Christmas jersey concept um, that got some 42 different reactions. That was the big talk of the Facebook group um, so far. And then uh, I thought this was interesting. Uh, Benjamin uh, Littered says, does anyone feel the key to the Jazz getting further in the playoffs as a result is Rudy Gobert developing a jump shot that will head spread the help spread the floor as well as gaining an initial weapon? And, and 31 people comment on this. My, my feeling on this is no. I don't want Rudy to have a jump shot. The last thing I ever want is Rudy to pick and pop. Um, I'd like him to be able, if he gets an offensive rebound or if he gets the ball down low or if he's able to take advantage of a switch. Um, those are probably some things that you need and both he and Faves need to do a really good job of is when they get if there's all the switching that's going on and they get the ball down low on the switch. But really, honestly, the last thing I want is Rudy Gobert picking and popping. And a jump shot, we'll talk about a little bit, is a mid-range shot. And we just, I, I, I don't mean to just overwhelm everyone with this, but it's such a bad shot. Um, and, and we'll talk about this on today's show because that's the kind of the third topic is a research project um, that I did. I'm going to share with you. It's probably got some flaws. I'm not entirely sure how it works for things. Um, but it's an it, you'll see it's a worthwhile discussion and it's an eye opener on just how bad mid-range shots are. So um, that was just. Uh, want to throw it out there. Good conversation going on at the Locked on Jazz uh, Facebook group. If you want to join, just put in and I'll approve you uh, after you've answered the three very important questions. So this weekend, I believe, is the NBA Hall of Fame induction. And it includes Steve Nash and Ray Allen, uh, Grant Hill, and Jason Kidd. I mean, it is it is really an incredible, incredible class. Thirteen members are going in, including... Um, the great Doris Burke going in on the media end of things. Um, it's a 13-person class, so if you haven't heard um, the other ones that are out there, um, it includes uh, Mo Cheeks, who was the great point guard in Philadelphia, Lefty Drizel, the 
basketball coach. Dino Raja, who was an incredible European player and then came over and played for the Celtics. Uh, Charlie Scott, who split between the ABA and the NBA as a five-time All-Star, uh, was the first African-American to play at North Carolina. Katie Smith, who's now coaching in the WNBA, I called her games for a long time. Did anybody watch that game last night? Boy, was that good. Tina Thompson, I called her games for a long time. She was the first pick in the WNBA. And then uh, Rod Thorne, Rick Welts, who has been an uh, incredible kind of business guy in the NBA. So um, so lots of, lots of great names. Obviously, the big names are the big four that lead this thing off, and that's Ray Allen, Jason Kidd, Grant Hill, and Steve Nash. And one of the stories I tell all the time is I think that people have heard about Ray Allen and his workout, but if you don't know about it, Ray Allen – who has openly said that he has some heavy traces of OCD in his system, uh, had a workout that he had to do before every game. In fact, uh, late in the season, the year I was doing play-by-play for the Sonics with Ray, uh, the the Sonics got uh, snowed out of a flight from Denver to Minnesota. We got back to the airport at, like, went to the airport, Stapleton, which is really far away, and then came back to... Uh, the hotel, we probably got to the hotel at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and Bob Hill, at that point, we were probably 20 games below 500 late in the season, and Bob Hill's like, screw the NBA, we're not taking the first time out, we're flying at like 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, everybody go get some rest, and Ray, we fly into Minnesota, and Ray Allen and goes up to the front of the bus and is like getting into it a little bit with Bob Hill about, you got to drop me at the arena, and he's like, well, we're going to the hotel, he's like, I need to be dropped at the arena, so here was a guy, you know, 20 games below 500, probably not that bad, but we were out of it. And here's Ray, such a professional, such a perfectionist, that he's got to go through his pregame work. And his pregame work was that he got to the arena at you know 3.30 or so. Uh, Jackie McMullen wrote a long piece on it. I'll try to see if I can link it out today, put it up on the Facebook group. Uh, and it, you know, it involved – and I, on occasion, when I was with Ray – with the Sonics would go and watch his workout and his workout was incredible. He would never take more than one shot crossing half court. Um, He always had like two or three ball boys out. Every pass had to come from the same direction that it would come from in a game. This is more common now, but this was one of the first guys to do this. Um, You know, if he took a shot, he'd run back over half court and come back because never in a game does he ever get two shots in a possession or rarely. Uh, All he would had a base workout, but then he would change it based on the opponent and what he thought they would give him. It it was really um, pretty awesome. So we were in Phoenix in that year, and he says to me, "Why don't you Why don't you come over uh, with me for the workout?" So we grab a cab and head over to the workout in Phoenix at America West Airlines at the time. And I'm in the gym, and it's Ray Allen, two ball boys, and me. And Phoenix, he said, told me I had to come because Phoenix wouldn't turn the lights on for him. And as Ray pointed out, like, go look at his numbers in Phoenix. They're by far the best building and career, you know, he's ever had uh, playing there. So he says, you know, come come with me. So we go, and, of course, the lights aren't on. It's pretty dark. And he just goes through his workout. Like, you cannot disrupt this. And he takes a break about three-quarters of the way through the workout, and all of a sudden I hear another ball bouncing. And I'm like, who else is here? And so there's no – we're in the main gym, 
and the Suns practice facility is across the hallway. So Ray's taking a break, so I pop out of the main gym and walk across the hallway and look in through this open door, and there's Steve Nash doing his pregame work. So at that moment, which was probably, my guess, like 4 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game, there's two guys in the entire gym. They're both pretty advanced in their career at this point. And they're Jason Kidd and Steve Nash. Excuse me, they're Ray Allen and Steve Nash. And they're the two arguably greatest shooters to ever play the game. Or two of the greatest shooters to ever play the game. And they're the two that are there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a 7 o'clock game. Both of them double-digit years into their career and working with that type of diligence that they have made them great and it's just to me kind of the ultimate story of NBA greatness my poor kids have heard this story more than they ever want to uh, but to me that's like the ultimate story and that's the story that I would that I want to share with you as we head into this great Hall of Fame uh, weekend in Springfield Massachusetts with these legends uh, being put into the game. Uh, speaking of the Hall of Famer Jason, uh, Jason Kidd, uh, that's a comp we've used for Ricky Rubio. There's some strengths to it and some flaws to it, and we'll talk about that coming up. And SLC Dunk did a really good job on some Donovan Mitchell comps, and we'll talk about that when we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Uh, I have been fortunate enough to drive pretty much the entire Hyundai line to the point where we bought a Santa Fe because it peaked out on all the safety ratings, had the third row of seat, had all the safety features, and we have a 16-year-old driver who's driving it right now because it was the, for in our mind, it was the best purchase on the market with all the safety features and for what we needed, which was three rows of seats. Uh, so that my wife could drive it occasionally when she's running our, our little one around. Uh, if you're looking for a hybrid, uh, the Ionic was a fabulous ride for me. Uh, the new Kona is the smaller version SUV that exists uh, that kind of competes with the Subaru Crosstrack. So check it all out. The Hyundai line is amazing. You get incredible value for the uh, and features for the dollar, and you get the Murdoch guarantees, price match guarantee, car washes for life, uh, in August, they were doing oil changes and brakes. Maybe you can talk them into that as well. It's all out at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. 
That's just a few of the 30 plus health conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it. And if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash locked on NBA. That's Freshly.com slash locked on NBA. If you're a football fan, it's crossover Wednesday on the Locked On Podcast Network. Every Wednesday, the two teams match up and have a discussion about their game. So find your favorite NFL team and or who they're playing or the big games you care about this week. It's crossover Wednesday on the NFL channel of the Locked On Podcast Network. For a while, there's been a discussion on player comps, and, and one of them that's thrown around is the Jason Kidd, Ricky Rubio. And I don't love it for... This reason, Jason Kidd's a Hall of Famer that won an NBA title and has a had a uniqueness to him that um, I, I get nervous comping, you know, true Hall of Famers because I, I just like I don't think you're saying Ricky Rubio is going to be a Hall of Famer. But what's there are some interesting aspects to their careers. If you compare them seven years into their careers at the same point. So for Jason Kidd, this is 2001, and Rubio, it's today. And and both of them have been a bit tumultuous, nothing quite like Rubio where he's playing for his second coach for the first time since his opening year coming off an ACL. Kidd had played a few, 60 more games because he didn't have the ACL injury at this point that Rubio rehabbed from. So that, But there are some comparisons that I think are important. So let me, let me walk through them. Uh, Kidd was playing 38 minutes a night, and Rubio's playing 31. And frankly, Kidd's a lot better. Like, if you look at the, the value over replacement level, uh, Kidd's a 25.4, Rubio's an 11.3. If you look at offensive win shares... Jason Kidd's two times Ricky Rubio. He's not, his w- defensive win shares are almost two times Ricky Rubio, not quite. Um, so he, I mean, he's a way better player in his first seven years than Ricky Rubio. That's I'm not trying to go there, but I do think there are some similarities to them. And let me walk you through those and where I think that comp comes from and why I think it gets interesting. So through seven years of their career, Rubio actually has a better true shooting percentage than Kidd because he went to the free throw line a lot early in his career. Their assist rates are both very similar, 39% to 37%. Their steal rates are very similar. Their block rates, their turnover rate, and their usage rate. So their style of game is similar. Both of them were very poor shooters in their first seven years of their career. Kidd at 45%, Rubio at 43% effective field goal percentage. So similar... uh, What's interesting is that Rubio's a much better free throw shooter at this point in his career, um, leading you to believe that he actually has more possible upside um, on becoming a better shooter. Kid had played in 22 playoff games and Rubio played in just six. But so the overall premise here is that uh, Rubio and Kid have similar style games. They use shots about the same they assist about the same they steal about the same kid was a much better uh, offensive rebounder they're both about the same defensive rebounders interestingly and to me the similar and rick carlisle mentioned this with jason kidd jason kidd went and stole two 50 50 balls a night and uh rubio i think does the same thing here's what gets interesting to me is if you go grab this it's in 2008 
in his eighth year that Jason Kidd goes from Phoenix to New Jersey. This is going to get, like, overly optimistic. But it's at this point where now he suddenly goes and maybe has his best run. So he played in Dallas, then got traded to Phoenix, and now goes to New Jersey. And you begin to see an uptick in certain areas. His first year in New Jersey, he doesn't shoot well. But in his next season, he goes suddenly as a 34% three-point shooter, up 41 overall. Um, he's not taking nearly as many of his free-throw shooting upticks, and he averages 18, 19 points a game. This is kind of when he has his best run, is his 28, 29, 30, 31 years old in New Jersey. Again, the shooting net doesn't uptick until he hits Dallas at 34 years old and really becomes a spot-up three-point shooter and suddenly starts shooting 40% one year, 35%. Never becomes great, but he gets his career number to 35. If you look at his career and his his Dallas, he starts his career and he shoots 27, 34 and percent from three. Then he goes to Phoenix for five years. He shoots 33 percent. Then he goes to New Jersey, shoots 34 percent. And then he goes back to Dallas where he ends up shooting 37, 38 percent from three. So it's a slight uptick, which is, I think, what's fair to think, see about Rubio. Uh, The game's obviously changed the amount of threes you're taking, but kids start, this is where kid goes to New Jersey and starts taking five and six threes a game, despite the fact he's only making 32%. But that's going to be my next point coming up on the show in a second that I really want to get to remember that. And we'll get to it here uh, in a second. So I I think the comparison when you see the hall of famer kid is not that Ricky Rubio is going to be a hall of famer, but frankly, I'm not sure that Jason kid was a hall of famer, when he went at 28 years old, he led the league in assists for three years, which isn't that different than Rubio. Uh, and he then went to New Jersey, kind of got himself in the right situation and um, absolutely uh, kind of that's when he hit his stride uh, as a different level player. Um, and I think that's, what you're kind of hoping happens here for Rubio as well. That's where that comp comes from. And it's interesting to see. I mean, that 35% three-point shooting last year from Rubio is exactly what we're talking about. Maybe happens. And you look at Rubio's shooting in the last two year, four years, 36, 37, 40, 42. That's on a pretty solid uptick. And his three-point shooting went from two a game to 3.5. And now you hope it goes to, to five. And I'll explain that. Uh, here in one second. I want to give a, a little uh, tip of the hat. Uh, SLC Dunk did a nice piece. There's been all this talk about the who is Donovan Mitchell. Um, what's his comp as a player? And they brought up a name I hadn't heard before. Uh, I think it was uh, I think it was Tavon Parker did this, or maybe he did the Joe Ingles piece this week, and James Hansen did this. Um, so I apologize if I got the wrong guys. Um, they brought up Damon Stoudemire, which I hadn't thought of before. That's an interesting name. Stoudemire's opening year, he had that same kind of workload in Toronto. He carried the average 19 points a game. He showed up on a bunch of our numbers last year. He assisted a great deal more, um, and shot it better, but he was mighty mouse, uh, different player, but an interesting kind of comp 
uh, of where he went. The the two other names they mentioned, the two I think are the best. Um, Allen Iverson, to me, is the Donovan Mitchell comp. And I, for some reason, people want to stay away from it. Allen Iverson was an MVP who took his team to the NBA Finals, who's in the Hall of Fame, who <clears throat> maybe wasn't the most efficient player, but we're going to see whether Donovan turns out uh, to be as efficient. The game, he was shooting threes at a very high rate early in his career. I, I you know, just an electric scorer, played the one, the two. They, they put McKee and Snow and all these guys right next to him perfectly, played on great defensive teams. I, I actually think it's the best cop that's out there. The other one is Steve Francis. Um, Steve, and by the way, by year five of Allen Iverson's career, at 25 years old, he's averaging 30 points a game. And I, and I, I kind of expect that to be where Donovan is too, that Donovan, I don't know if he jumps off his 20, whatever it was last year to 20, more than 22 this year, but 27, 28, 31. I do expect that to be coming his direction here. Um, Stevie Francis got a bad name for his own fault. Like he got into a bunch of stuff with Vancouver and then went to Houston and was always kind of thought of as a selfish player much more and didn't have a great track record of winning. And Donovan's shown his ability to move the basketball and be willing to play. And Chris Herring had a great note in, uh, at 538 article yesterday about this, but I, I actually think that this is as good a cop as there is. Uh, Stevie Francis came out of, I think his one year at Maryland, very similar player to Donovan. Didn't shoot the three quite as much, but shot at the same kind of rate. Great power finisher, similar kind of with the basketball, better rebounder, frankly, than Donovan. Um, you know, this is a, and and he never went over. I think twenty two points a game. So I think Donovan will explode beyond that. But I, that's where I am a little bit on Donovan in this conversation. So I, I think that I thought that was well done. Um, more threes, more threes, more threes. I tell you, we'll talk about that uh, next. Uh, today's show is brought to you by the store. Uh, I talked to you about the store a lot. It's got it's got a great vibe. I find myself finding every excuse imaginable to go to the store. And I love when I get these emails, pilgrimage to the store. I went to um, Hank Evans. I drove from Bend to Salt Lake, headed to Yellowstone, decided to stop at the store. Um, I asked for the mudslide cookies, and she said, have you been listening to the podcast? Yeah. Um, Anyways, I sampled the holy mudslide. They're good, but too rich for my, I like the lemon cookies. What? Hank, what is wrong with you? Um, but I'll forgive Hank for that. Uh, but check it out. It's 6200 South, 20 of these. It's got a great feel to it because you can just feel it there. They're trying to highlight the local uh, vendors, the local people, as well as serving you. Uh, the produce is out on the left, and if you sneak and peek a little corner, uh, right around the back corner, you'll see them making all their own salsas uh, there as well. Oh, I forgot to put my, my store salsa on my eggs this morning. Uh and you'll see over on the right-hand side is all the cookies. They've got some great Kavita kombucha specials going on right now. Uh, and then uh, you, you can check out uh, Boston, who's one of their guys who works there. Uh, big, huge jazz fan. His favorite thing is the Bragg's apple cider vinegar, all-natural drink. It's all there. Plus, over at the Cottonwood Ace right next door is the Traeger Grill. Uh, they'll be uh, out grilling with Chef Paul from 1 to 3 this weekend. Check it out on Saturday. They'll be doing that. 6200 South, 20th East. It's the store. Okay, this last... 
Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. This part is really geeky, really numbery, but I think very interesting. And let me give you the thesis. The thesis is that we're still not allowing poor shooters, what we call poor shooters, to shoot threes. But we are letting them take long twos, which is ridiculous. So here are the two numbers that you kind of need to know to start this conversation. The league average is that 34% of all shots are three-point shots. 34%. We make, in the league, me personally, of course, 36% of them. So the two numbers you need to know are that 34% of all shots are threes and 36% of them go in. Now, here's what's interesting. So if you take 34% or more of your shots as threes, you're taking more than the league average amount. There are only 66 players in the entire NBA that shoot below 36% that shoot 34% or more of their shots as threes. Only 66. There's 115 who we classify as good shooters who shoot above 36%, who shoot more than 34%, but we're only allowing those players that are what we deem above average shooters to shoot a lot of threes. So if you shoot Above the league average, 36%. There's 115 players that shoot 34% or more of their shots as threes. That's great. What's interesting is there's this, like, completely unspoken rule of who we let shoot threes. So if you shoot below 36%, there's only 66 of you. Watch this drop off. If you shoot 35% or below, there's only 58. And now it falls. 34%, only 41. Huge drop. Only 33%, only 29. 32%, only 20. Well, they're not very good shooters. But what are they shooting instead? See, 35% of all league shots are mid-range jumpers. So these guys aren't shooting twos or aren't shooting threes. In all likelihood, well, they're not a very good shooter. Let's move them in a little bit and have them shoot a two. It's ridiculous. Here's what's amazing. If you shoot 33% from three, or let's go to the 32. Like, there's only 20 guys in the league who shoot 32% or less from three that we allow to take half their 
34% of their shots as threes. 20. The average point per shot on that is 0.96. You know how many guys in the NBA on mid-range shots hit 50% of their mid-range shots? Luke Babbitt, Al Jefferson, Trey Burke, Chris Paul, Serge Ibaka, Quinn Cook, Terrence Ferguson, Chris Middleton, and Kevin Durant. Darius Miller, Mike Scott, Steph Curry, Channing Fry. 13. 13. So we're not allowing a shooter to shoot. But if they're a below average three-point shooter, we kind of say, eh, I don't want to shoot. Yet there's only four guys in all the NBA last year. Actually, three guys in all the NBA last year. Channing Fry, Steph Curry, Mike Scott, whose mid-range shot was better than the league average three-point shot. 200 players took over 30% of their shots in the mid-range, non-restricted, non-threes. Not just just mid-range. 200 players took 30% of their shots as that. What? If you shoot 30% from three, bad shooter, right? 30% from three, bad shooter. You're averaging 0.9 points per shot. We only have 35 guys in the NBA who who shoot half their shot, half above average mid-range shots at that rate. And we only allow 11 guys in the league from three to do that. The league average on a mid-range shot is 0.8 points per shot. The league average. Do you know how many guys in the league last year at 0.8 points per shot from three took more shots than the average shooter? 34% or more. It's a little complicated, I know. Hopefully you're still with me. One, Patrick McCaw was the only player to shoot below that threshold and still take over 30% of their shots as three-point shots. We in the league right now have either an unspoken rule that if you're not a great shooter, don't shoot the three, or coaches don't allow it. Now, ideally you want, hey, ideally we want Joe Ingles shooting the three or one of our good three-point shooters, and there is probably some psychology that needs to be discussed about seeing the ball go in the basket. Okay? But Ricky Rubio at a 35% from three should be shooting, or even 33% from three, has got to be taking 40% of his shots as three-point shots. Dante Exum. Not a very good three-point shooter. Either three or at the rim. Don't give me the mid-range. I don't care that he doesn't. Like, he doesn't have a great pull-up game. Fine. It's a terrible shot. It'd be nice to have it, but I really would like him to have a pull-up game as an off-the-bounce three. 
Because what's interesting is we take guys that aren't very good shooters and our instinct is, well, move them closer to the basket and let them take a mid-range shot. Why? They're not very good shooters. Take the three. At least that's what my analysis says. There's probably some flaws in this, but I want, I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. That is Locked On Jazz today. Make sure you catch the new Locked On Fantasy Football experts with the biggest names in the uh, fantasy football world coming out with Vinny Iyer. We've got a new fantasy football show, Fantasy Football 24-7, and Locked On NFL has the biggest guests every week. Mike Sandoz, our Thursday. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus is our Wednesday, and Sage Rosenfeld's former quarterback is Tuesdays. So lots there, plus the great fantasy basketball preview shows are all going on. Locked On Podcast Network loaded up with great stuff here on this has been Locked on Jazz. Thanks for tuning in, and go join our Facebook group at Locked on Jazz. See you. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter, so it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.